All right, good morning. Um, well, welcome back. We're back at it. This will be great. Okay, well, we are going to start, well, first of all, this is schedule-wise. You know, we, uh, with our movies last uh, year, we, uh, we kind of had a different schedule. Now we're going to kind of go back to our typical schedule, which means, uh, you know, prayer at 9 o'clock, hangout time, you know, till now, about. <laughs> and then um, we should be done about 10.15-ish, okay, just for planning purposes. I think by the end, in December, we were getting done closer to 11. <laughs> which, I mean, it was great. Hey, that was awesome, but we, have, we, we don't have any movies to show now. So, Okay, so what we're going to... Well, he didn't. Uh, he, you know, there is some. There actually, I think there's only what three, three good ones, I guess. Um, oh yeah, he wrote an opera, so I guess that's four, right? And where's Nancy? We got, we got the, uh, we got the Luther opera. I didn't think about that one. Oh, and I, yeah, I guess I didn't think about anything besides in English. There, I'm sure there's a lot of great German Luther movies. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna embark on uh, a book called The Seven Last Words of Jesus, and it is it's going to be a, as much as a kind of a intellectual exercise, it'll be more of a devotional exercise. And so, um, in the, uh, bo- actually, oh yeah, so here it is. So while in seminary, I found this book. Pastors give their books away to seminarians a lot, and the announcement goes out, hey, after chapel, go into the I can't remember what that place is called. Haven't been there in a while. <laughs> the one building where we drink coffee and hang out. And uh, there would just be piles of books. So I found a book which I thought was interesting. Sermons on the Passion of Christ by Martin Luther. And uh, it's from 1871. English translation. And what I, what I found interesting, though, was is that it was in Luther's time, and I think I quote that maybe in the Life Together announcement, but Luther says, uh, right away in the beginning, in this season of the year, it's customary for the church, both in her hymns and sermons, to dwell especially upon the passion of Christ. We also follow this custom. And so, it's been in my back of my mind that Luther, during Lent, now I know we haven't started Lent yet, but it's coming around the corner, and the time he worked out with the number of chapters in this book, so we're starting it now. Um, <laughs> is, uh, I always thought about this, is that Luther followed a, a tradition where they're going to spend some time meditating upon the passion of Christ. Well, Pastor Bruzek had, had gotten this book, and I, this, um, the publisher, I think, there's a few books maybe in the past that have been hanging around St. John. And so the seven last words of Jesus fit perfectly within kind of, you know, this Luther thing. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time uh, today, kind of looking at Luther, the Lutheran understanding of kind of Christian meditation or Christian devotional life, and and then we'll leave here today with a small, just a little handout thing you can stick in your book, and I'm going to ask you to kind of practice what you're learning. Okay, it shouldn't take too long. Some of you already might be doing it, so it should be pretty easy to kind of just incorporate into your own. Devotional life, I think, I hope. Um, some of you who need a little help, hey, this will be great. Okay, but before we do that, I handed out to you. So when you leave here today, oh, I'm not quite sure. We didn't do quite a lot of research, Pastor Bukes and I. Um, but we have books up here that you can take. I think they're $12. So pay now, pay later, you know, pay whenever. However, we didn't, we don't have enough for everybody because they're on back order. But we did get an email yesterday saying, or whatever, two days ago, they might show up today. But by sure, by sure, by by Tuesday. All right, so there you go. <laughs> I, hey, I'm particular on all that because I, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know what else to do. I'm not gonna. Wait till next week. Um, 
Okay, so anyways, so take that with you today. But the thing I handed out, you don't need to take this with you. You're welcome to, but this is just more of a, a teaching tool for us today, that little handout. Um, so, so one of the things is that obviously Martin Luther, before the reference, I mean, he was a monk. And Augustinian monk, he spent a lot of time in meditation and a lot of time in prayer. But through the Reformation and through his own experience, Luther took kind of the, 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 the gospel and then applied it to the, the devotional life. And in, in this, there's actually a, a long writing talking about a sermon on the passion of Christ that actually kind of talks us out, but this is one page, so this is a lot nicer. And it's a, his, his, the preface to his Wittenberg edition. So somebody way back when said, hey, i got to take all of Martin Luther's writings, we're going to put them together, we're going to sell them. And then they said, Martin Luther, can you write a preface to this? to this addition to his writings, and he did. And he utilized this opportunity to articulate what makes a theologian, but that's very easy to transfer to what makes, you know, what makes a Christian. So, um, and, and this is the preface. So I'm going to just kind of make reference to this preface back and forth. I'm not going to sit here and read it because we'll be reading it. So if you want to just turn the page then. So during the Middle Ages... Uh, there was a, a way of meditating upon God's word. And there was a ladder of devotion where actually the Christian kind of ascends into the heavenly realm uh, and kind of culminating in union with God, the glorified uh, Lord Jesus. And that was kind of called contemplation. So you had your reading of God's word, you had your, your meditation, which was primarily a reflecting thinking and then, based on that, you had our prayer, and then your contemplation, which was, uh, I don't know if anybody's seen the uh, Ecstasy of St. Teresa uh, by Bernini, I think. I always want to say Bellini, but that's our <laughs> neighborhood people. Um, very famous statue. It's, it's really gorgeous. But um, that's, kind of, that's a great image. Uh, okay, so but the thing is, though, um, so you had this ascent up, you know, kind of from earth up into the heavenly realms. So what Martin Luther did, though, was kind of turn things all around, and, he, and rather than having these four ladders to uh, spiritual devotion, he, kind of, he actually just has these three things: oratio, meditatio, tentatio. Prayer, meditation, temptation. And this was very different than, obviously, that's coming around. I mean, that, that was around at the time. Um, and so we're going to kind of talk about that. And that will kind of form our meditation as we uh, read the book and go through the seven last words of Jesus. Now, the thing is, though, is that all, your devotion always centers around God's word. So you're not going to get too far from God's word. And the great thing about Luther is that devotion ends, I mean, begins and ends on earth a big difference than kind of what he was used to, kind of the medieval understanding of meditation. So this is how it goes. So it, it's a life cycle, or a life of the faith cycle in a sense. When we pray before, you know, before our meditation, we pray for the Holy Spirit. And then in meditation, we receive the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about these in more depth. But when you pray for the Holy Spirit, receive the Holy Spirit, what should happen, according to the Bible, is you should come under spiritual attack because the devil doesn't want that. That's precisely what the devil doesn't want. So Luther is, it has this, this very kind of profound understanding of the devotional life where we often will say, if I spend time in God's word, you know, things will, things will be better for me. Maybe not externally, but maybe internally. Meaning, yeah, I still might lose my job. I still might have some problems, but, you know, I'll be, you know, better on the inside. Luther actually says that might not be the case. But you have to look at that, those spiritual attacks through the eyes of faith and actually understand that the devil is driving you somewhere. 
Where would the devil be? Well, actually, if you look ahead, you can see it. But the devil's trying to drive you away from God. But in fact, when you're under spiritual attack, where's the one place you need to turn to? To God. So it's counterproductive. And uh, Luther says that Satan's God's fool when he attacks Christians because he's precisely doing God's work, <laughs> which is great. So anyways, so this, I mean, this is a very profound thing to help us to kind of understand that when you begin your devotional life, and maybe you've experienced this, right? Typically how it works out is you, you work hard in your devotional life and it just peters out. You know, hey, I'm going to spend some time every day in prayer. You know, I'm going to start this new discipline. And then, you know, three weeks later, you're doing whatever, you're doing whatever right? Um, I think that's generally how it works out. It could work out in a more extreme version, too. Okay, now the thing is, too, though, is that the medieval understanding of this uh, kind of climbing the ladders to heaven is this kind of very active uh, process. But Luther actually says it's a very passive process, a reception from God versus a kind of this idea of self-development. I'm going to work hard, and then I'm going to uh, then we'll enter into the heavenly realm. Okay. So this is where uh, Luther's kind of come from, this medieval understanding to kind of a more, what I would say, the Lutheran understanding. So prayer, oratio. That's, uh, that's Latin. Um, so, so first, when we, when we pray, we have to understand that prayer is primary. This is kind of interesting, is that um, when we think of prayer, we actually think about speaking, right? We're going to say our prayer. But what Luther says, actually, is that first and foremost, uh, prayer is a stance of listening. Okay? And so, you know, in order to listen, you've got you to gotta be silent. You've got to be quiet. And in the Old Testament, that comes out in Deuteronomy 6.4 in the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Here is the first word of God to Israel. Um, if you want to check it out later, Dilbert. You guys ever, you know, the cartoon Dilbert? It's got a great cartoon called Bad Listener. Dilbert, so he has this dog, you know the dog. He's pouring his heart out about a bad day at work. And the dog is very quiet. It's not interrupting. He seems like he's a great listener. And then all of a sudden he's like, uh, "You uh, excuse me, you're totally blocking my view of the wall. I mean, it's great. <laughs> it's, a, it's fantastic. So th- this is that um, in order to listen, yeah, you've got to keep your mouth shut, meaning you've got to be quiet, but at the same time, Listening is also a, uh, an anticipation, expectation. So it, it, you're, you know, you're ready for receiving. In chapel, I read from 1 Kings chapter 3 and Solomon, right? Typically, it's understanding Solomon of wisdom. But the, the, the Hebrew is asking, for, you know, it's in the English Standard Version, it's a discerning mind. But the word for, for that is, is, a, is a heart. It's actually a God-listening heart. That's what he asks for. Um, and so when we, so the first step in meditation is, is praying, is prayer, kind of following in those footsteps of Solomon. And, uh, and so this is something that we need to ask for. We, so we pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit before we meditate. And we, when we pray, we're acknowledging that we can't do it. And this is the great thing, right? We, we actually are confessing our inability to understand God's word without the Holy Spirit. So you, you confess your sins, your inability, and by, by, also by praying, then you take a posture of humility and re- receptivity. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to hear, I'm ready to listen. And so when we pray, we acknowledge that God, in fact, in the Incarnation, has come down to us. We don't need to go up to him. And he has come down to us, and by being with us in his word, then, uh, you know, he's available to us to reach out, to touch externally through the senses. So Martin Luther actually will talk about prayer and meditation sacramentally. 
Because when we spend time meditating on God's Word, it delivers what it says. Did I put that in here? Oh, yeah. So, so uh, the Holy Spirit is given to you in God's Word. God's Word doesn't necessarily talk about the Holy Spirit. I mean, it does. But it actually delivers the Holy Spirit. That's why it talks about in sacramental sense, this means of grace. And then when we're receiving the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit actually is the teacher of God's Word. And Luther's got, uh, well, it's in the, oh, I, I'm sorry, I should, let's turn to the, prefi- uh, to the preface of the Wittenberg edition. That first paragraph, Luther writes, you must uh, realize the Holy Scriptures are the kind of book that turns the wisdom of all other books into folly because none of them can teach about eternal life except this alone. So you should immediately despair of your own reason and understanding. With them, you will not attain eternal life. Instead, with arrogance like that, you will hurt, hurl yourself and others with you from heaven, like Lucifer, into the abyss of hell. So he's saying, you know, if you try this on your own, you're not going up to heaven. You're going down to hell. Rather, kneel down in your room and pray to God with true humility and earnestness that through his dear Son, he would give you his Holy Spirit to enlighten you, lead you, and give you understanding. And he uses Psalm 119 as kind of the template of how this works. Psalm 119 being a really long psalm, so just, we're not going to take a look at that. All right. So he makes reference to the fact that David, even though David knows his Bible, he still is calling out to the Lord to teach him, instruct him, lead him, and show, show him. So he's making this confession that he doesn't actually know. So, of course, I mean, you've got to understand this, right? When you confess that you don't know, I mean, how many people are like that? In fact, I was telling Carol about this. I happen to not watch the news lately. And uh, someone, someone made mention of the fact that, some, I'll just make, some of you might know who these people are. They're making a trip, they're going down south. And they're like, well, we're not going down south. Now I'm thinking... I have no idea why they're not going down south. Because I haven't been watching the news. Why are they not going down south? The weather! Rather than me saying, oh, why are you going down south? That's interesting. I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for something as stupid as that, you know, we, we don't like to acknowledge the fact that we don't know stuff, right? Because it seems like it's not cool. You're not in the know. Well, when you, when you do your devotions, that's your, that's your primary stance. Is, I have no idea what you're talking about. Please help me. It's okay. I mean, yeah. I did tell Carol that I actually, I didn't, I didn't know how bad the weather was, but I, all I knew was the Virginia Cavaliers men's basketball team had to reschedule their basketball games. <laughs> I know, it was very, very important. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. All right. Okay, so yeah, so when we sit down and we pray, uh, as Luther says here, is that we, 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 that we just acknowledge the fact that we can't do this. And it's a, um, it is only based on, the, on th- through faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we are able to understand God's word as this thing of eternal life. That's very important. All right, so, so the Holy Spirit is given to you in God's Word. It teaches you God's Word, and then the Holy Spirit will interpret. So this is great. In John, and I put this in here, but the, the Gospel of John in chapter 14 says that the, the Holy Spirit will, will remind the disciple of everything that Jesus says. Now, the Holy Spirit, in reminding us that what Jesus says, not only, you know, these words, but at the same time, what he says about you. And so the Holy Spirit, as you meditate, will interpret you and your experience so that you see yourself and others as God sees, as God does. So this is, uh, this is one of the great things about when we sit down and we pray for the Holy Spirit, is that we're, these are our expectations. I mean, it, it, so think about this. This is kind of a, an important thing, right? If you know that the Holy Spirit's going to show up, give you God's word, teaches, teaches you God's word, and then show you life. It's kind of a big deal, right? It's something that we would kind of look forward to. 
uh, Martin Luther, in his uh, simple way to pray, pray, there was a, a barber, Peter, a Peter the barber. Um, and Pastor Bruzek handed out this book a long time ago, and I think we got copies upstairs. It's a great, it's a great thing. It's a, it's a lot longer than the preface to the Wittenberg edition. But it takes these three things, oratio, mentatio, tentatio, and then kind of applies it to Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. But in that, Luther talks about how he, this is precisely his stance when he prays, when he meditates, when he goes into his room and, and does his devotions, however you want to talk about it, is that he, he, he really looks forward to this and has this expectation now, at the same time, he also acknowledges the fact that sometimes he has this amount of time and then this amount of time, and we'll actually talk about this later. So Luther is very practical also in how he tackles devotional life. But this, this real profound expectation when he prays for the Holy Spirit. All right, so, the, so you come to this, you pray for the Holy Spirit. Now you might ask, Pastor, well, how do I pray for the Holy Spirit? Come, Lord. Vine Spiritu Sancti, come, come Holy Spirit. You could sing the Tizé song, I guess, even. Or you could say, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, send the Holy Spirit to open my hearts and minds to your word. Amen. Amen. This is not rocket science. You're talking to a person. Talk to a person. Yeah, by the way, so uh, Pastor, Pastor Bruzik, you know, he did a lot of this stuff, I think, a couple years ago, three years ago, four years ago, maybe. On prayer, right? So I'm, just, I'm presuming. So for those who weren't there for it, though, when you pray, you're, you know, you're talking to Jesus, right? So you, you, on one level, you're, you're, it's like you're talking to a normal person. So, you know, as, as much to, as much as I love reading some of the prayers of the saints, on some on another level, you say, "Hey, Holy Spirit, can you come and help me, please?" That's that's okay too. That's that's good. That's good and right. Okay. So don't overthink it. There we go. All right, so meditation now. Uh, Luther acknowledges the fact that we meditate. We naturally meditate. What is our favorite subject, though? Ourselves. <laughs> and I think uh, it was a couple years ago, you know, and I, I'm sure the statistic is still true. What, is the, what, what, what are phones most used for? Selfies. Selfies. Yeah, it was 2013 from uh, Generation Like, that Frontline episode I showed where it was 90, it was uh, like 90-some percent of children between the ages of like 13 and 25. <laughs> That's the number one thing they use their phones for, taking a picture of the self. All right, so we love, we love meditating upon ourselves. So uh, the thing is, though, as Christians, uh, Luther says that um, the only way that we can actually meditate upon God is if we actually desire God's word. So he presumes that you actually desire God's word. And, of course, then, in your prayer for the Holy Spirit, you're acknowledging that, yes, I, I want this, even though I'm not good at it. Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Okay, so th- that's normal. I mean, that's, just, that's, that's okay if you say to yourself, yeah, I really, I really like this. I really would love this, but I'm not good at it. But you, but you do. Now, the thing is, though, how do you love something like that? But through faith, by the Holy Spirit. So this is, again, this is a Christian premise to meditation. Okay, and now, I should have said that too. A lot of religions use the word meditation, Right. Eastern religions. Uh, so, but I'm, I'm, we're Christian, so we're, I'm not talking about that. Okay. But if you have questions about it, you say, hey, that, that, does, that sounds kind of strange, or that's not what I didn't know, please ask. Krista. I have a hard time to concentrate. Yes. Then, then other things are just, when I'm praying, then other things suddenly come in my mind. That's right. So there's a couple things to think about. So Krista says, hey, I have a hard time concentrating. All right. Now that has to do with the practice. And uh, John Kleinig, and I, I, I don't know if Pastor Ruzik mentioned this, but John Kleinig, who I lean heavily on here, uh, when he talks about meditation, uh, he brings up church. And he says, have you ever been in a church where you listen to the sermon and all of a sudden you're thinking about something else? He's like, oftentimes you feel bad about that. 
But maybe your first response shouldn't be guilt or shame, but maybe you need to actually, actually take hold of that and ask yourself, what, what's going on here? So this is something where, as we kind of practice... Now, okay, so, I mean, classic example is... Um, I, I'll, I'll confess, it's not... I mean, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay on this. But it, for the morning Lord's Supper, Scripture is being read... And what am I thinking about? What I got to do during the day, right? I'm, I'm totally, I'm disengaged. And I find myself disengaged. And I say, oh, let's get back to center. Now, there's other times, though, and I, sometimes I'll talk about it with the other pastors in the vestry where I'll say, oh, man, I was not paying attention, but this is what I was thinking about. And it actually is fruitful and, and, and appropriate in a sense, even though it wasn't necessarily about, you know, kind of what the point was. So this is, this is something where you kind of have to practice and, and pr- figure that out. Tuesday happened to me on Tuesday. Read from Luke chapter 5, I think it was. And uh, it was about the, when Jesus was uh, casting out demons and the demons knew who he was and he said, um, you know, be quiet. Well, I'm just, I'm going to tell you that what I did and realize that <laughs> it was kind of off, off a little bit. Now, earlier in the Gospel of Luke, it says that Jesus grows in wisdom and stature before man and God. I thought to myself, well, well what does that mean? But for me, that had a direct connection to Luke chapter 5. Because... I thought to myself, what if Jesus was telling them to be quiet because he thought they were speaking blasphemy? I'm sorry, not the son. He, he was, he, they were calling him the Christ. Sorry. And at that time, the Christ had a very definite kind of definition about a political leader going to kick out the Romans. And, what we, and throughout Jesus' life, you know, that gets redefined. So, if Jesus is growing in wisdom and stature between man and God, what does that mean? It also means, like, what does it mean in terms of, like, his humanity and his divinity? And how can he be fully man and fully God at the same time? Where we're, like, not close. I mean, I mean, this is all going through my brain. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Now... I, would have, I mean, I can tell you right now that I, at a previous time in my life, I would have said, you're not paying attention, Marcus. Pay attention. Because I was checked out. I mean, I was, I don't, I'm sure I said the Apostles or the Nicene Creed and I said the Lord's Prayer, but I was not, I was not with it whatsoever. So I think those, I mean, those, are, those are kind of two kind of simplistic answers of how sometimes when our mind wanders, it's okay. God is leading the way. And then other times, as our minds are wandering precisely because we're going away from God, and we just have to practice and get back. Now, the thing is, though, Krista, too, is that it's, it's easy for our mind to wander. And I think in practice, this is where I think practice comes in a lot, is that we spend time with one thing, and if it's that much time, then that's it. It's, it's fine. It's normal. It's okay. Um, yeah, so, so I think I think that's important. The other thing too is Luther, when he actually talks about this, is more of an academic statement than a devotional statement. Is that when he talks about meditation, he is actually talking about one thing, like you spending time with one thing. In that simple way to pray, he actually says, during my meditation, I will take one, even one word from the Lord's Prayer, and I will just. Spend time with that one word because the Lord has told me to not go any further. I mean, the Holy Spirit, I should say. So, but other times he says, I spend time with the whole prayer and then that's it. I'm done. So I think, I think that's where when we come to practice and realize that we're spending time with, with a person. I mean, our time with each other. I mean, Chris, sometimes we talk on the phone a lot about funeral luncheons, and then other times we just say hello, right? So our relationship is always going. And I think, so that's, I think that's sometimes normal even with Jesus. 
Anyways, those are my two cents. So I, th I think I'm glad for asking that because that's normal. I think everyone just gets a distracted mind, right? So we spend time. Now, of course, there's other ways to help us with that, right? Like turn off the TV. As hard as it is, turn off your phone. You know, find a quiet time. You know, I mean, I mean, a quiet place. But like, uh, well, we're we're getting skipping ahead a little bit. But the the idea is like we have to you have to find what's good for you, and uh, tangential but related um, is. So there was a, a research study done. So marathon runners, found, I think I might have said this to you before, but marathon runners have found out that even though they're exerting all this energy, there's times in this 26.2-mile run that they experience, like, this zone where their mind is very clear, they're present. And the UCLA did this brain research and found out that their brain actually mimics, like, monks... Uh, Buddhist monks in meditation, and, and but they're—I mean—but they're exerting energy and they're burning calories. And so, well, one of the things is that when we think about, like, so I think about like the quiet time. What is your, you know, what place? I have to admit, I—I I, when I run, this is my meditation time, and and when I don't run, I, I just—it really help, hurts my devotional life. So I run, and I consciously say, what am I going to think about on this? run. Now, guess what? There are times when my mind gets distracted and i got to come back. And then other times, my run's over like that. I, I mean, it's, it's... And then a lot of other times, I'm just, I'm just concentrating on just putting one foot in front of the other, too. So, I mean, it takes all these different forms. So, so you got to find what's best in terms of doing it. Okay. All right. So anyways, so meditation on one thing. Oh, I already said that, Greg. So the thing, too, is about meditation is, is about God filling us up with himself. And Luther actually uses the example of a, a placid pool. Is that in here? Yes, thank you. Um, the idea that, you know, if you have a puddle, sun shines on it, it's, it's going to be warmer than the river that keeps moving, Right. The sun fills up the water with its heat. Another great so that yeah, so meditation is a matter of the heart. If we do not impose ourselves, we do not impose ourselves upon God and His Word, which often is the time, right? I'm gonna go into the Bible. I feel bad about myself. And I'm gonna go in the Bible and it's gonna make me feel better. It might. Right? But that's not that's not the point of the Bible, right? The point is not the Bible to impose, uh, impose ourselves upon the Bible. It's that, it's that um, God would move our hearts to be what it is, what it says it is. And Luther has this thing about one of the Psalms: "As you are, so God is to you." Meaning that God will come to where you are. Meaning that He doesn't require you to be a certain way, and then He comes to you. But He'll come to you, and then the strength of God's word is that it changes. It changes her, it changes the Christian who studies it rather than bend itself toward her. We don't attune ourselves to it, it attunes us to itself by creating faith in us. So that, that's really important then as we approach meditation too, is that, that it's all a part of asking for the Holy Spirit, is that we say to ourselves, I really hope this happens in my devotions, my meditations, because it might not. And then you might say, well, it doesn't really work. Oh. Okay, the other thing too, though, is oh yeah, I talk about it later. Herbs. So meditation, though, is primary external. This is another reformational aspect. Is that based on the Hebrew? Any time in the Old Testament where it talks about kind of meditation, is uh, chattering. It's about talking. So actually, Luther will talk about meditation as a continued chattering, which of course still makes sense, right? Because who are we talking with? I mean, who are we with? We're with Jesus. We're talking. This is a exercise. So it's it's with the mouth to the ear to the heart. But of course, before you speak, right, you need you need to listen. So quiet, listen, speak, um, back and forth. 
In fact, Luther says uh, this is the point of people. Birds are made to chirp. People are made to talk. That's based on the idea of the word. God's word. Um, now, how, how you do that, though, is you spend time, because these, these words that you have are God's words, and sometimes these, even one word can be very deep. So in order to get everything out of it, you've got to rub. So he talks about rubbing. It, it says in uh, this chapter here, uh, the, the um, uh, middle of the page. So Luther says here, Secondly, you must meditate not only with your heart, but also externally by always studying and rubbing. And if you don't know what he means by that, it, that sounds kind of weird. But he, the word for rubbing, he's meaning rubbing like a herb. You know, so like you take your basil, right? Basil, summer garden, you pull it off. Ooh, it smells good. You leave it on the plant, you can kind of smell it, but once you take it off, right, or even better. Well, rosemary, mint, any herb, right? I mean, it's this whole point of herbs. Is that the only way you get the full effervescence is if you spend a little time rubbing it. Also think about M&M's. I always think about M&M's too in this. Because you can either swallow your M&M's. Why would you swallow M&M's, right? But, or you could chew them. But with God's word, sometimes we swallow it rather than chewing on it. Get it done. Get it over with. I don't want to. So, I mean, you can consume M&M's by swallowing them. But it's not as good as chewing them. Or Skittles, or anything of that small that you can actually swallow. I don't know if there's any. I was just thinking about I have a sweet tooth, so. Oh, yeah, I put this quote in here. Great. The, uh, Luther talks about the cow chewing the cud. Now, I don't know if everybody knows what that means. Hopefully everybody does, right? Whether you've actually seen it or not, you know what I mean, right? Okay. Not everyone grows up on a farm. Uh, okay, that's a great quote. I love this quote. But okay. Oh, and uh, I think I put it in the your little. There's an old Lutheran prayer. I, I I don't know if this is Lutheran, but it's an old prayer about inwardly digesting God's word. So, okay. So we want to spend time with all that. We want to spend time with our meditation. So Luther would pray for the Holy Spirit. Then he would either recite something like the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, Lord's Prayer, or, or he would spend some time with Scripture, like a, a word. And that, in that book that I have, that old book, the words that he, what the time he spends with is the uh, Passion of the Christ, so from Mount of Olives to um, the Descent from the Cross. So it depends on what time of the year. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah, hey, Jesus meditates. In the Gospel of Luke, it is the, uh, that's like the prayer book um, in terms of showing or embodying that. Jesus, when he is, ba- I don't know if we had the baptism of Jesus a couple weeks in, in church. I don't know if you guys knew, like, what was Jesus doing when he was baptized? Take a wild guess. He was praying. This is the Gospel of Luke. It's, a, it's unique to the Gospel of Luke. While he was praying, he was baptized. And, of course, what came down? Holy Spirit. So in prayer, Holy Spirit comes down. Um, and then throughout, well, I show it, yeah. So 442, 516, 612, 918, and 28. And then 2241, which you'll actually read about in the book. Because um, that is the prayer of Jesus prays from the cross. So he spends his meditation, he spends times in meditation. But Mary is probably the, the, the ultimate meditator. Luke chapter 1, 29, 2, 19, and 50. And then you see the fruits of that meditation by her standing in front of the cross. So Mary ponders these things in her heart, treasures things up. 
that's that's meditation. That, that's just a that's a word image for meditation. Okay. Just so you know, I wasn't making it up. It's 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 actually in the Bible. Okay. Now the other thing too, though, is uh, tentatio, temptation, and this is more the radical kind of unique thing about Luther, is that through temptation, the Christian becomes a theologian. She learns the theology of the cross, more correctly, the spirituality of the cross. She does not experience the glory of union with her heavenly Lord, but knows the pain of union with Christ crucified. She bears the cross together with her Lord and suffering with her in the church. That's great. Bam. That helps us make sense of life. Um. The Heidelberg Disputation, disputation. I know Pastor Bukes and I used that uh, a little bit before. Is there the difference between a like? There's the difference between the theology of glory and the theology of the cross. So the theology of the cross is that this is this is the ultimate in in our life here on earth. The thing that brings the glory of God is in fact the crucified Christ. So if we seek the glory of God we will wind up at the foot of the cross. How that gets played out in the Gospels is on a variety of levels. In the Gospel of Mark, though, the one place that Jesus is confessed as the Son of God, the one who reigns from on high, is by the centurion. And what is he looking at? A dead Jesus on the cross. The only other place in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus is confessed as the divine Son of God is by demons, which you don't get a lot of credit for, and, and by the narrator, the writer, which, of course, he is, is kind of out of the story in a sense. So you see, you see this is that in Luther, throughout, there's a, a letters of a spiritual counsel that was put together in a volume. It's all these letters that Luther wrote to people who were struggling. And routinely, his basic advice was to stand in front of the foot of the cross and look at Jesus. This is the place where your struggles will either find one who empathizes with you or they will begin to make sense. So, but either way, Jesus is with you in that. All right. So through the Holy Spirit, God's work will take root, grow in the Christian. Once this is done, the, de- the, the devil harasses you, harasses her. Yes. Yeah. Because I heard the theology of the glory. Yes. And the theology of the cross. Right. Um, that divides churches. No? Oh, absolutely. So, so this is, yeah, this, so this is Luther... Yeah, so Luther, well, to put it simply, so Luther's understanding of the uh, medieval meditation was for one to ascend into heaven. So this was a theology of glory because you utilized, uh, so how it worked was you you took, uh, well, here, I'll just turn turn back over. So you utilized, how it worked out was is that you utilized um, the, the, the word of God primarily, and then you meditated to then kind of springboard away from the Word of God into this heavenly realm. The thing is, though, that is speculation because you don't have anything for sure to actually take hold of to know that you are in, in God's presence. Luther says the only thing you can take hold of in this world is the cross, so you, you, you take God's word and you never leave God's word because God's word is all about pointing you towards the cross. So the theology of glory then is, is something where rather than uh, taking hold of, or, or it, it's taking hold of this heavenly realm, but for us here on earth that's, that's just not helpful because we, we can't enter into that. Does it, does it uh, reflect sometimes the communion in remembrance of? So the thing is, though, is, uh, yeah, so Luther would, so Luther is great, and uh, his, um, 
he, when he, so some so uh, during the Reformation during this time, this is uh, not directly related to the devotional life, but how his advice to people who were struggling with things, he would say, uh, "There's three things you turn to: uh, the support of the church, uh, private confession, and the Lord's Supper." In the community, you're encouraged, you're reminded, because you can't think straight, you're, you're encouraged to, and of course, okay, so then overarching all these is God's word. So the community will remind you of what God has said to you, because you can't do it on your own. Uh, private confession will remove any sort of hard guilt, right? I mean, you will hear God's word to you personally, apply to you personally. It's cause you, so you've heard a word, external word. Something you can grasp. You don't have to speculate. You don't have to think about it. Um, and, and same with the people around you. You feel like you're all alone? You're not because there's people around you caring for you. And then finally, the Lord's Supper, where you and Christ are joined together physically, but not in order to escape this earth, but to live together precisely in this place or in this earth. So the Lord's Supper, and so the communion with, the, with God, though, is that, is, is this, by the power of the Holy Spirit, divine, divinity, divine life, is not to escape it, but to live through it. Which of Christ is, is precisely shown specifically in the crucifixion. Where, so, but some people will take this and take the communion in a different direction, the other direction, towards the heavenly realm. But that, that creates a lot of problems for us when we experience a lot of junk. What are we going to do with this? It's not working. We've got to try harder. We've got to get harder. We've got to get higher. When in fact that's, you know, in temptation, Christ is pushed. The devil is attacking you. And those attacks, though, are precisely to get you back to, I mean, to drive you back to God's word, back to the Lord's Supper back to the community where you'll be encouraged. You'll be strengthened and uh, empowered to, to live life still. So it works backwards. So it, it's, um, so this, now the other thing too that Luther says about temptation is that it's, it's thoroughly practical. Meaning, this is where your Christian life isn't just simply about being holed up in a room I think I, yeah, I did. Uh, at the very end of the little handout. Let him who wants to contemplate in the right way reflect on his baptism. Let him read his Bible, hear sermons, honor father and mother, come to the aid of a brother in distress. So you have the faith and love. But let him not shut himself up in a nook and there entertain himself with his devotions and thus suppose that he's sitting in God's bosom and has fellowship with God without Christ, without the word, without the sacraments. Is that... You get it. You got to receive this outside thing, and so where is the temptation in this? Well, obviously, not doing, not reading your Bible, not hearing your sermons. Okay, but then honoring your father and mother, and then coming to the aid of your brother—that's the temptation, right? I don't want to love people. Oftentimes, hey, I, you know, you know, you might know people who spend a lot of time in prayer and reading. But at the same time, then they're not expressing love towards their neighbor. Well, for Luther, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't compute in terms of the spiritual life. Of your, your devotional life has a practical outcome of life, living life. Okay. Um, all right, so, so we're going to practice meditation. So everyone take a book as you leave or a handout. Like I said, they, they're supposed to come either today or, well, I say Tuesday because... They can't come tomorrow, Sunday, or Monday. So if you want to come in, you know, next week and get your own, you can. But, um, so, set time, places. You can kneel, stand, make the sign of your cross, hands folded. I mean, just get yourself ready. Um, make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I have two prayers, but you don't have to say your prayers that way. You can say prayers, like I said before. And then spend time in meditation. So with God's word, God's word is, um, it's actually in the book, Luke 23, um, 33 through 30 something or another. It's actually in the first chapter. 
Um, oh, no, I got it right here. Yeah, 33 through 38. It's a short, but if you want to meditate upon God's word based on your own devotions, that's great too. But I, I want you to read the book, obviously. So then you also spend some time meditating uh, using, using the words of the book. And then Luther just says, Amen, at the end. I think that's a fine way to end. So when you're done reading or spending, you know, it's time to go, you say, Amen. Then you go, and then you get temptated. Temptated. <laughs> then, then you experience temptation. Now, the word temptation, though, I, I guess I didn't say this real quick, but i got to finish. we got to finish. Temptation is, is uh, uh, not necessarily, again, this is a, a, the idea that these are assaults of the devil. You're going to experience these moments where are going to distract you from following Jesus. Sometimes they're real, like, you know, physical, you know, like, hey, devil's coming down hard on you. Um, but other times, like I said, uh, you know, it's by you just not doing it. Okay? So those are two valid temptations. Um, but they both have bad results, right? Of you not spending time in God's Word. Okay. So, oh, so then pick this up. Because in theory, this is what it should look like. You take your, I, I made them still made too big. So Pastor Beeks will have a nice one next week. Oh, and we, I have a little picture. Uh, uh, Pastor Bukes will have a different picture next week. So we're, just, we're using images of the, you know, the passion. This is a, from Matthias Grunwald. It's an altarpiece, very famous altarpiece. He's a, he was a, 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 a subscriber to the Lutheran Reformation. But it, um, it, it, it kind of articulates what we talked about today in terms of meditating. John... The Baptist, even though he wasn't at the crucifixion, I understand, is holding up the Bible and pointing to Jesus, meaning this is all about Jesus. And then you have Mary, you know, un, you know, underneath the cross in devotion. And you have Jesus with his hands held up in a form of prayer. You know, like the celebrant will do on Sunday. So I think it's nice. So we'll put that there. So in theory, it's like your bookmark. You change it every week. Okay. Or not do that. I mean, whatever. So then when we come back next week, Pastor Beeks will ask you, how did it go? And if you guys want to share, you can. If you don't, you don't have to because we'll talk, we'll, we'll, uh, study, uh, we'll study the gospel reading, or Luke chapter 23, 33 through 38. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.